like the way that they that they've approached the work, and you know there there needs to be a sense of urgency. Uh, you know, because if we don't if we don't get better each day, you know, we're going to be you know, we're, we're taking steps in the wrong direction. And you know, this team, you know, I think, has great ability to to accomplish you know, wonderful things. And you know, the first chance that we get is against LSU, and uh, you all want to see us go play our best. Hello and welcome in. It is a Friday edition of Always College Football. Today is June 23rd. We're a little under four weeks away from the media day circuit, but we are deep in the college football weeds. Mark Kubiak, Jack Foster, Jake Garcia. I'm Greg McElroy. Thank you so much for being with us. We have a terrific show in store for you today. The head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, Mike Norvell, will join the program. We're going to talk to him about the upcoming expectations, some of the transfers, Jordan Travis's progress, and of course, how could we not discuss the week one matchup against LSU? And by the way, just how crazy last year's matchup was as well. We're also going to get to your mailbag questions, including an interesting comment made by Nick Saban. What does it mean and how should it be digested? I also continue to urge you, and I so appreciate everybody for taking a couple minutes out of their day that have left us a review and a rating on the podcast platform. We so appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. But if you haven't done so yet, if you could, just take 30 seconds. Wherever you get your podcast, leave us a rating. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a quick review. Leave us a rating. It'd be much appreciated. It really helps us out, and we are getting ready to finish up here on year number one. Our numbers have been tremendous, in large part due to the support that you guys have given us. We really, really appreciate it, but if you can continue to support us by leaving a rating and review, it'd go an awful long way. So let's not waste any additional time. Let's talk to the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, Mike Norvell. Welcoming in the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, he's Mike Norvell. Coach, how you doing, man? And doing great, uh, you know, into our summer program. Guys are working hard. It's uh, definitely an exciting time to be here in Tallahassee. So uh, just looking forward to, to getting ready for fall camp. Well, it certainly is, Coach. And we'll start there because it felt like the momentum last year after week one just kept rolling and rolling and rolling, had a couple of games that were so incredibly close that were right on your racket and just couldn't bring it home. But, man, the excitement is just off the charts for what you guys might do this upcoming year. When you were going through spring, what was the message to the team? I mean, pretty simple, you know, get better. I mean, we had to, we have to continue to improve. We have to continue to to grow closer. Um, you know, you you talked about those the couple of those close games where you know play here, a play there, or maybe a situation that we, we have to be better in uh, where where it cost us uh, in the end. And you know, as as coaches, players, you know, everybody involved, we all take ownership in that, and we have to be better. And I was so proud of our team for how we were able to finish off the season, you know, winning our last six and, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, the decisions of so many guys to come back and to be a part of this team for, uh, for this next season that, you know, had opportunities and, uh, you know, but, but they chose to, to come and, and continue to work and seeing, seeing them go through spring practice and just the way that they've improved, uh, you know, really the edge they're trying to bring to, to each workout. I mean, I'm excited for, for what's ahead. As you should be, Coach. I want to get to the newcomers and the guys that are returning in just a moment. But before we get there, I think you guys are a testament to patience in an era of college football where there is none. And look, there was general progress. There was guys were getting better. You had some young guys that you went with early, said these are our guys. We're going to ride them to the end. And then when they're juniors, seniors, 
will be rolling. And that's exactly what's come to fruition. So what does that say about your administration in trusting the process and not trying to go about it in a microwave type of way by saying, if we don't win 10 games, we're, we're moving. Like, it's just, it's crazy how quickly people are expected to turn things around, but you guys stayed true to what you knew. And as a result, it's coming to fruition. So what does that say about your administration? You know, I'm, I'm grateful for the support and, uh, you know, our, our administration, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, from the president, board of trustees, obviously our athletic director. I mean, you know, they get to see it every day and they see the they see the growth within the program. They saw the, you know, the buy in from the players. You know, some of the early results were, were absolutely not what we wanted, um, but we had to go through some some challenges. And, you know, as a program, uh, you know, there had been so much change and, uh, you know, really to be able to have that continuity and to be able to to set a standard and continue to push and grow and develop guys uh, to achieve to that standard was something that was important. And, you know, this last this last year and even seeing how our team responded there at the, the back part of the season when uh, you know, we had a couple of those close games. I mean, it's it, you know, that's what that's what you know, building a program is all about. And, uh, you know, to be able to have our 25th 10 win season, you know, to, to be able to, to see guys, you know, you achieve when, you know, before the year, there probably weren't a whole lot of a lot of you know, folks talking about us, you know, being able to do that. But, uh, you know, it's just you know, these guys, they work extremely hard and uh, we have we have an administration that's very supportive. You know, everybody around this uh, this university is helping push for, you know push forward you know what our what our football program is all about and uh, you know definitely uh, you know you know grateful for that but uh, you know it's exciting to see the players with you know, the players and their growth uh, throughout that process as well. Well, recently your your quarterback Jordan Travis, who I'm just in awe of uh, how he's progressed, how he's gotten better, went from being just a great athlete to now a more refined player that understands situations and all these other things, still growing in those areas, but he's just come such a long way. He's outspoken and saying, I want to win a national championship. Simple as that. Uh, now to me, that you know, that's a little cart before the horse, but I appreciate that mindset. You want guys that expect the very best, but how do you balance that not to put too much on the players to where they feel internal pressure to go and perform at an outrageous level? Yeah, I mean, the level that they that they have to push to perform to is their best, and that's what we that's what we ultimately can control. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm glad that our players you know do not put limits to to what they can accomplish. But on the flip side of it, uh, none of that matters if you're not willing to show up every day and continue to grow, continue to get better. Uh, you know, it is it is truly a process, and you know I know you hear that a lot, but uh, you know if we can if we can improve, if we can get better, if we can become a closer team. Uh, you know, just uh, in all areas. I mean, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of confidence in in the team that I coach and the young men and uh, the the investment that they've made uh, throughout this journey. And you know, I think Jordan's a great example of that. And you know, for uh, for where he was to where he is now, I mean, I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's one of the best players in all of college football. And um, you know, I watched him even with the success he had a year ago, I mean, he's probably our most improved player, uh, you know, going through spring ball, just in, in the, the sense of urgency in, in all aspects of his game uh, to take it to another level. And if he can continue with that, uh, if guys can continue to push you know, with you know, with him, uh, you know, in that journey, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to what this team can accomplish and, you know, and, and ultimately controlling the things that, that, that we have an opportunity to, to make an impact on. Well, a lot of people, Coach, and I've had a lot of philosophical discussions both on the record and off with coaches, and they've said once we kind of get it rolling and we feel like our culture's in a great spot, 
we kind of are going to avoid the transfer portal because you just don't know always what you're going to get. You guys, however, have gone the other direction. It's like we're going to continue to lean into that and look at the success you had last year with transfers, impact players immediately at several different positions. You go all in again this year, bring in a bunch of guys that can play high-level football that have proven it at this level already. So you guys are kind of bucking the trend a little bit amongst some of the top programs in the sport. Why is that? Well, I mean, I think we've we've done a good job with with within our balance as well. I mean, you know, we've, uh, you know, we, last year I think it was sixty five percent, you know, of the of the signees that we had were high school were high school players. Um, but uh, you know, the guys that, that we're bringing in as transfers, I mean, you know, they're the right fit. They're great players, great young men. Uh, you know, they embrace the culture that we have, and and they're really good. And so as long as we continue to get the right guys to come into to our program, and uh, you know that that you know bring that experience, bring all the things that have uh, um, you know, you know, played a part of their journey and can, can apply that into our program here at Florida State. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting for us because uh, everybody's got a different path. And, you know, ultimately uh, we're looking for the best fit of guys that can come in and help our football team. And I think we've done a, a really good job within our evaluation of um, you know, who it is that, that, that kind of, you know, fits that bill, but then, you know, obviously uh, you'll be able to have, have the balance with the guys that we're bringing in uh, from the high school ranks that have, that have come in and also been able to make a, make a great impact. Uh, is it, I guess you would think if I look, if I'm in the portal and I look at Florida state and I look at Jared verse, you know, I look at, at love it. I look at some of these other guys that have come right in. I look at, at uh, you know, Johnny, I look at all these guys, uh, Trey Benson, transfers that have come from other places and then you go to Florida State it's like these guys are now not just reaching their potential but in some cases exceeding their potential I don't think anyone saw Johnny having the year that he had last year so uh, does it make the sell a whole heck of a lot easier given the proof is in the pudding no, absolutely and you know you want to be able to to show to show the example um, you know where you're not just you know sharing a vision you know you can see how you know somebody believed in you know what we were doing and then you know whether they had the, you know, the recognition uh, of, of their game, you know, maybe at a previous place. I mean, they come here and they've been able to, to shine at a very, uh, a very high level. And, uh, you know, I think you see that across the board, um, you know, and I kind of you know, mentioned that earlier, we're finding the right guys. They fit, they fit what we're looking to do. Uh, they come in, they've been able to, to be great leaders for us. You know, they've made a tremendous impact on and off the field uh, within our program. And, uh, you know, and then when you have the next, you know, great player that's that's looking for an opportunity or looking at an opportunity. Uh, you you they see the success that has been had, so they can they can kind of see the the path which they would uh, need to go and what that would need to look like. And but the but the success has has really helped in in a, in a lot of ways. Well, it's it's been really remarkable to to watch, and I know it's it's exciting for you. I've been outspoken. Uh, I'm not you know just blowing smoke here. If I were to become an offensive coordinator, you're the offense I would want to study. I don't know. In some ways, I don't know how you, how you, how you stop it. I think when you guys are executing, it's truly remarkable. The run game, the diversity in the run game, marrying up run pass and RPO, it's really phenomenal. So when we get to the core of your offensive philosophy, how did you bring all these different aspects together and, and the creativity that you show week to week? How is it that you're constantly being able to figure out a way to stay a step ahead of the defensive personnel that you're calling plays against? 
Well, I mean, this is a program that's built for playmakers, and that's something that we've tried to to really focus on, you know, as we've built this offense is to have the versatility to showcase the, the, the skills of the guys that I get to coach. And we've got great players. Um, you know, we try to, to put them in the best position to, to be successful. And, you know, we want to be multiple. I, I don't I don't want to just be a one sided football team where we just run or we just throw. I mean, we've had we've had years where we've you know, thrown for 500 yards in a game and we've rushed for 400 yards in, in the same season in a game. And so, you know, you have those those you know times where you can take what the defense gives you, but you're putting your players in a position uh, to go win the one on ones. And uh, you know, ultimately, you know, we want to we want to be able to have uh, you know that versatility within uh, the schemes of what we do, but then making sure that we can can teach our guys in a manner and, and be able to install uh, you know those concepts in a way that that guys have a lot of confidence in in what they're being asked to do. And uh, you know, but when you got when you have great players, it uh, you obviously uh, makes it a lot of fun. And uh, you know, you see the growth uh, and the confidence that our guys have in, in what we're uh, what we're dialing up for them. Well, one thing that I'm amazed by, though, Coach, I feel like as a play caller, you would want to say, hey, you know, let's try this look. Let's try this look. There was one game in particular last year. You ran a very comparable formation, three by one, the entire game. It was 100% three by one, which I've quite literally never seen before. But clearly you recognized structurally if the defense plays this way, these are the coverages we're going to get and this is how we're going to attack it you just stuck to it. And usually there's like a stubbornness amongst the play caller to get a bunch of different looks and Hey man, you know, let's try this. You, you won't do that. And it's, it's kind of mind blowing to me how you're able to just stick to your guns. So how, how is it that you're able to do that? Uh, you know, we, uh, we, Spend a lot of time. We've got a great offensive staff that uh, you know, spends a lot of time in our preparation. And, um, you know, obviously there's certain things that we like to do. And uh, with, the, with the players that we have, if we feel that, that we're creating that uh, that competitive advantage, then, you know, we're going to we're going to continue to throw it at them. And, uh, you know, our guys, our guys, you know, they like I said, they buy into that. They know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of options of, of what we can do and how we can attack. And, and we really have an unselfish uh, you know, team and, you know, guys that are. You know, every skill position player wants them all. I mean, that's that will that will never change in, in any offense. Uh, you know, in in the, the history of the game of football. But uh, you know, when you have guys that are willing to to play without the ball in their hands and willing to do the you know do the dirty work and understanding how if if they do their job to a certain level, how it can open up somebody else. And but you know, they have to be prepared for their moment. And so you know. We'll, like I said, we spent a lot of time in, in our preparation, but uh, you've got a lot of confidence in what our players will be able to do uh, you know, when the moment comes to them. When you look at, at where you would like to grow, you reference situational awareness. The NC State game comes to mind. Uh, obviously, that's just one of those crazy situations, but I don't feel like at this point you can ever stress situational awareness enough. So what do you do in practice to make sure that your guys have a great grasp on what they should do given down and distance, spot of the field, time, all those other things. So do you study that off the field? Do you practice it on the field? How do you how do you integrate that awareness that is so important when it comes to winning and losing? Well, you got to put them in the situations, and we we uh, we spend a lot of time you know talking about it in meetings, uh, you know whether it's through camp or spring ball. As we install, uh, you know this, you know the offense and defense. You know we talk about that that those situations and uh, you know things that you know, where each call, what we're looking to take away or what we're looking to to uh, how we're looking to attack, and and whenever you you try to put them through those through those you know situations throughout the course of a practice, you know, you force them to think. 
And, you know, that's something that, you know, we want to, we want to be a football team that plays smart and, you know, there, you, you know, whether it's a two minute situation, you know, there's going to be something that you know, we try to stay very true to, uh, to playing the game as it's going to play, you know, throughout the course of, of a week of practice to where, you know, we can try to create situations that maybe we've seen, maybe we haven't, you know, you know just to have, you know, opportunities to communicate, you know, you know, thought process and to really play the game before we get to it. Um, but then, you know, we're going to we're going to script and structure, you know, you know, different elements or, or situations where, you know, you're you're forcing guys within the course of a practice. It might be an hour and a half into it, but, you know, they're having to think they're having to adjust. They're having to adapt to, to whatever the uh, that situation calls for. And and then you get to, to follow up with that in the meeting room. And so, uh, you know, our guys, you know, they like I said, they put up they understand the areas of where we can be better. And that's one of the things that we really have emphasized throughout uh, your spring ball. And there'll be a huge emphasis here in fall camp. And, and our guys know that uh, yeah, that's, that, that can be an area of, um, you know, of confidence that we can take it, you know, into this next season because of the work that, that we've been able to put into it. And certainly we, we look forward to seeing the progress made in, in some of those areas for sure. Uh, I do want to get back to Jordan just for a moment. Uh, Jordan has been one of my favorite stories in, in college football, seeing what he was to now what he's now ultimately become, his confidence level growing. Even just when we sit down with him and have a visit with him, you can just tell he's oozing with confidence compared to the guy that started three years ago and he was kind of unsure and trying to figure it out. But, you know, the COVID year and making things difficult for guys to progress made, I think, maybe his development just kind of maybe – Maybe just pause for a little bit because he didn't get the reps that he probably needed or would have loved to have gotten early in his career. And now he's finally starting to show that crazy growth that was always in there. But what have you noticed specifically that's different about him this year? Well, I mean, I think when you watch you know, his rhythm, his timing, uh, you know, he, he understands where the ball is supposed to go. Um, you know, he does a great job. He's one of the, one of the smartest quarterbacks that I've been around. I mean, he he truly studies the game. He's got a great, uh, you know, great eye for, you know, understanding, you know, leverage, different looks. Um, you know, he was able to work through his progressions. But you see him throwing in confidence with time. And, you know, that's to be able to take a drop, stick your foot in the ground and, and get the ball out. Uh, you know, I think when you look back to last year, you know, when he was pressured, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country and just being able to, to, to execute in that moment. And, you know, it, it is because of the way that he preps. And, and, and when, you know, you, you have that success or even in sometimes when you have, you know, some of those challenges, you know, just his work ethic and, and what he's able to do. I mean, but, you know, he's really bought into the timing, the rhythm, you know, being able to get the ball out of his hand. And, you know, I mean, he's extremely accurate, you know, passer. So, um, you know, I, I just I love his game and I love the work ethic that comes with who he is. And he's just a great leader for our team. And finally, coach, we'll get you out of here with this. It's it's no secret. Week one's going to be a war. Uh, LSU comes now return trip. You guys went to New Orleans last year. This year they're coming to y'all's backyard in Orlando. It's going to be a phenomenal game. Probably the biggest game of week one. When you have a big-time opponent in week one, do you sense a different type of urgency amongst your team throughout fall camp? I know last year you guys played week zero, so a little bit different there. You could kind of knock some of the cobwebs off. But either way, now you get Bayou Bengals right out of the gate. So how will that affect your fall camp and the way the guys maybe attack it? 
Well, I mean, I think it, it's it started back in in January, you know, and everything that we do each day that that we get to have. I mean, you're either putting yourself in a position to play your best that day, or you're not. And uh, you know, with whether it's newcomers coming in, uh, you know, we've all we've all signed up for for what's ahead this season, and uh, we know how it starts. And you know, really, the the main focus we've had is on ourselves and making sure that you know, as everything that we do uh, leading up to to kickoff is going to put us in the best position to to go show the country, you know, who this team is and what we can do. And you know, we're playing a great opponent. It's going to be, uh, you know, like I said, it's going to be an absolute battle. Uh, but you know, we're excited to we're excited to compete. And uh, I've got a lot of confidence in this team. Uh, you know, I like the way that they've that they've approached the work, and you know, there there needs to be a sense of urgency. Um, you know, because if we don't if we don't get better each day, you know, we're going to be you know, we're, we're taking steps in the wrong direction. And you know, this team, you know, I think has great ability to to accomplish you know, wonderful things. And you know, the first chance that we get is against LSU, and uh, you know, I want to see us go play our best. As you've gone back, just quickly before we get out of here, as you've gone back and looked at that game from last year. Have you ever been a part of a crazier game from start to finish? I'm not sure. I was on the call for it, Coach. I think I aged two or three years over the course of that 60-minute ball game. How did you feel? Uh, I think I think all these gray hairs probably uh, <laughs> in that game, but uh, you know it was a no, it was it was a wild game, and no question. And there was a lot of uh, a lot of situations that showed up. You know, players, coaches, all of us, where we had we had a chance to reflect back to it and, and work to get better. And it was, uh, um, but you know, the, what I loved about it was, you know, how it finished and, you know, it came down to a very, you know, I would say routine play, you know, and, uh, you had opportunity to see, you know, effort want to, um, you know, just belief, you know, show up. And it was, it was something I think was big for our program. Uh, you know, I think going into the season, you know, maybe people didn't expect as much from either team that was, uh, that was playing and LSU goes and wins, wins the West uh, in the sec. And, you know, we, we ended up going to have a 10 win season. And so you, it was a big game uh, in a, on a big stage and definitely excited about, uh, you know, being able to, to, to kick off this season with a, with another great matchup and, you know, just be able to take all the lessons that were learned and, and apply them here this year. Well, it's going to be terrific, Coach. We can't wait to see you in a few weeks. Have a great rest of the summer. And like I said, man, I couldn't be more excited for the team that you guys are fielding this year and the, and the opportunities that lie in front of you. So best of luck. Well, Greg, appreciate you having me on. And go Knowles. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And as always, we so appreciate all the incredible questions you've been submitting our way. There's one listener in particular that sent like 10 questions. So we have so appreciated his contributions to the show. And we look forward to addressing some of these questions here in the weeks and days to come. 
alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. That's where you can be in the mailbag. You can also hit us up on social media at alwayscfb on both Instagram and on Twitter. So if you have a question about your favorite team, a competition, a conference, maybe big picture college football, maybe NIL related conversations, this is the time to do so. Because if we fast forward into July and into August, we're naturally going to be spending a lot of time on season previews. So if you have questions, get them in and get them in now. Always football at gmail.com. Who's where we're going. All right, first question comes from Jeff in Oklahoma. He asks, what are the chances NIL could be used to circumvent a limit on scholarships due to NCAA violations? Could a school have an athlete, quote, pay for their tuition with NIL money to keep the same level of athletes on the team despite a drop in scholarship numbers? Yes, is basically the answer to the question. Now, how many NCAA violations are we seeing right now? How many... How enforceable are some of the rules that have been used by the NCAA over the course of time? Not very enforceable, at least at this point. And honestly, things are taking forever for the NCAA Committee of Infractions to be able to make some rulings on teams that might have violated a rule or two here or there. We're already seeing this in other sports. Now, if you look at baseball, it's probably the best example of a team and a sport that is using NIL opportunities to basically overcome the scholarship deficit. We see 11.7 scholarships in baseball or so naturally on a team and a roster that has 40 guys, it's going to be very difficult to divvy out the scholarships accordingly. So NIL has been massive as far as that sport, getting everyone up to the same level. Now, not everybody's on full ride because of NIL, but a vast majority of guys have definitely been helped by NIL to kind of close the gap between a full scholarship and what they would receive as a partial candidate. So we've seen this in other sports and it will definitely happen in football. There's been long discussions. If for whatever reason, there's a collective bargaining between the players and the universities. There's a lot of people that believe that scholarship numbers might come down and in an effort to kind of curb the additional cost that it would come with having to pay the players directly out of the institution's finances. So There's already conversations about that, and we're already seeing some guys that are walking on because they have NIL opportunities that they wouldn't have by getting a scholarship at maybe a lower level school, a Division II school, what have you. So we're seeing this already. So as far as the NCAA violations aspect of it, I don't know if it's going to be a huge issue, but we're already seeing teams have inflated roster opportunities because of NIL that that school can provide. All right. Next question comes from Jack in Tennessee. He asks, Nick Saban came out and basically said that the tide should have been in the CFP last year because they would have been favored versus three of the teams. Well, they lost two games in the regular season. And as we know, not every school has the same budget for football. So if the playing field isn't even. Shouldn't the committee base the playoff on wins instead of recruiting rankings and Vegas odds? Well, I don't know if he necessarily was saying they basically should be in the college football playoff. But here's the problem with the current four-team format. Remember, we're adjusting here in a couple of years, so it's going to be less about the perception of whether or not your team will perform at a high level. We're going to get the results on the field. So, you're no longer going to matter if you're a, if a group of five team because a group of five, te- 
champion will have an automatic qualifier into the playoff. But here's the problem with the whole college football playoff selection committee theories anyways. It's too vague. Right now, everybody, if you just say, hey, four best teams, which is exactly what the committee's looking for every single year. I told you back on Selection Day when we did our show. I told you if the committee would just come out and stop saying four best teams. It's not the four best teams. It's never been the four best teams. It's the four most deserving teams. And look, everyone can live with that. And basically, you become deserving based on how you play in the regular season. So I think we just need to just put this whole four best teams to bed. It's the four teams that they can most easily justify. And that is the teams, are the teams, excuse me, that will make the playoff every year. And let's go back. I mean, there have been a few examples, very few examples of it not being the four teams that should make the playoffs. Like you can say, okay, well, back in 2014, TCU should have made the playoffs. Okay, fair enough. You could say back in 2016, Penn State should have made the playoffs. Fair enough. They had two early season losses and they played unbelievable down the stretch. But either way, they were left out in favor of Ohio State, who they beat, and Ohio State ultimately got drummed in the semifinal game. So either way, the committee could clear all this up. Because right now, all this vagueness when it comes to four best, it's like, it's, it's never been the four best. But if you go by the by what they're telling us, was Alabama one of the four best teams in America last year? Perhaps. Uh, I'm not going to make an argument for that. I'm certainly not going to make an argument against that either. Their record, however, at the end of the regular season, was not amongst the four best. All you have to do is just come out as a college football playoff committee and say, hey, we're taking the four most deserving teams. Or if you want to take it one step further, which is even more accurate, the four teams that we can most easily justify without a huge mutiny of college football fans. I think it's as simple as that. But at its core, we embrace debate in the sport. There is a, sub, there is a certain level of subjectivity in this sport, and I think the college football playoff committee recognizes that, and they kind of like the arguments that everybody has on Tuesday nights and or Wednesday mornings after they release the rankings every single week. And they certainly like the debate that occurs on the Sunday when the four playoff teams are announced. That keeps people angry. It also keeps people excited and it keeps people on the edge of their seat. So while I think it'd be a whole lot clearer if they just come out and say, hey, four most deserving teams, make it. Simple as that. But I think at their core, they kind of like all the conversation that centers around college football like it has for the last 75, 80, 100 years. We used to vote on national champions. Literally, think about how backwards that is. Vote on national champions. It's absurd. But in our history as a sport, we embrace debate. And I can't say I love it, but I also, at my core, I certainly understand it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Please like, rate, and review if possible on the podcast platform. I told you at the beginning of the show, it really helps us out. So if you could just take a couple minutes, if you're on YouTube, hit that thumbs up. If you're on the Apple podcast, do a rating. Also, if you could, maybe leave a review, whatever you choose. We don't have a marketing department. You guys are our marketing department. So word of mouth, tell your friends that we're talking college football. Even here in the heat of the summer, competitions will be getting going here in the middle of summer, probably in some seven on sevens. We'll have some quarterback competition updates. We'll also have a lot more interviews coming up down the road, hoping to get Steve Sarkeesian hoping to get Nick Saban, hoping to get a handful of others as well as we continue to move forward to the start of the 2023 season. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, Jake, Jack, and Greg, I'm Greg, and Greg, I'm Greg, I am Greg, but I'm also and Greg, whatever. We so appreciate you being with us, and remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.